Aloha and welcome to today's Mentoring Monday podcast. So my name is Viama Taito and I'm a major in social work. And before I introduce our guest for today, we're just going to go over a few announcements. So to start us off, just a big thank you to those that are tuned into Aloha Friday podcast that we had last week with Elden Sister Workmen. And then for this coming week, um, our Friday podcast is with Brett Grow at 3 p.m. And then our Mentoring Monday podcast is going to be with Phil Bruno next week Monday, um, same time at 3 p.m. Now, our guest that will be joining us today is Kerry Moya'i. He's originally from Haula, and he is married to Isabella Tauili'ili Moya'i, and they have four beautiful children. So we're going to welcome him on to our show today. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys for joining the podcast today. And uh, I'm from Haula Heights. So Heights is a little bit higher. So there's like Haula Heights and then there's everybody else. <laughs> Just kidding. So Carrie, um, the last we spoke, you mentioned you had graduated with a bachelor's in social work at BYU Hawaii. Yeah. And then you did your, mon- uh, your master's at Myron B. Thompson School of Social Work at UH. But right now you're working as a practicing clinician at Bobby Benson for 10 years. Yeah. How has it been working there for 10 years now? Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be great. Uh, you know, I got an opportunity. Um, I graduated uh, um, the master's program. I realized that, uh, you know, I had to do good, good work. And I realized that I was a better student when I was older. Uh, high school, not so much. But uh, once I, you know, decided to do my undergraduate work, uh, I decided that I would be committed and uh, I got decent grades, you know, to get to grad school and finish it in the event standing program. And a lot of the students here in the uh, BYU social work program have that same opportunity. And uh, that's what we are pushing them towards that um, they're good enough and they're, they're really, if they apply themselves, they could do the same, follow the same path that we've been following, which is three years of schooling, 10 months of graduate school, and then, um, you know, come back home and help the community. And so for me, Bobby Benson has been a great experience. At the time, I just, it was one week out of graduate school. Somebody got fired and I got hired. And um, Elizabeth Rago, who works here on campus, uh, gave me that opportunity and I took it. And uh, I got to meet a lot of people and here I am. I worked under three clinical directors, all women who have been great, uh, four women who have been great, Elizabeth Rago, uh, Ashley Weiberg, Rachel Kekalo, and uh, Jen- Jennifer Kabe. So uh, I've I've been really fortunate to not only work in the community, but um, to take my passion of social work and, and uh, you know, apply myself. It's our turn to, you know, to work in the vineyard and, uh, you know, keep uh, promoting social work and being available to help others who, who need help. I love that. I really love that. And I love how you mentioned the community, right? How you're able to give back. Um, and as a matter of fact, you're also an adjunct teacher here at BYU Hawaii. I am. Tell us more about that. How does it help with your work at Bobby Benson and vice versa to giving back to the community? Um, and that's that's an interesting concept. And so I had the same opportunity. I just had graduated from, um, from graduate school and they needed a class. And it, at the time it was... Um, it was like a gerontology class. It was it's called aging, and mm-hmm. it's nice with old people, older adults. 
And uh, that was my goal from the first time I set foot on this campus um, was to teach because in my mind, I, I had a good mission. You know, mission was good foundation for my learning. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I always wanted to pursue. And so when the opportunity came, what I didn't realize is that I needed a lot of work in understanding students and understanding the expectations. And, you know, every time I thought what I I proposed in my class was good, um, I had to really scale it back and really listen to feedback. And that's one of the, the good things that I've learned in scouting program is, um, you know, even though we have good intentions, it's always good to get uh, feedback. And um, I wasn't a, I was a really raw teacher and kind of had to learn how to manage the class, how to use modules. And um, that was a big adjustment for me because, um, you know, I'm a much older person now. But um, what I realized is that, um, you know, there's a lot more collaboration work that had to take place in, in including the students and helping them feel uh, supported. So uh, to go from that mindset um, from, you know, you do it how I tell you to do to allowing students to, you know, give you feedback and and really, um, really change the way we present the course. Uh, I felt that that's a change that I needed. And um, in working with my students or clients of Bobby Benson, um, that really strengthened me in, in understanding um, how to be more open to ideas. Uh, when I first got there, we, um, we use a point and level system. And you know, Elizabeth Rago, to her credit, um, really had changed the mindset of looking at other ways to help youth in addiction. And so we changed from a more um, traditional model to a more uh, trauma-informed care model, which really changed. It was like a big paradigm shift for me because uh, prior to my schooling, I had done eight years in the, in the field in, in, in the day treatment program. And so uh, coming to Bobby Benson really has, has really helped me refine my clinical skills and, uh, and trying to help staff members uh, understand the importance of clinical work, diagnostic work. And, you know, Elizabeth Rigo was part of that process who really challenged me uh, and even uh, Ashley and Rachel, and it's with like every clinical director I've had, they've always given me autonomy to do things that that I really enjoyed. And so it was always a mutual relationship. And I, I respect these women who who, who have really, um, really helped me succeed professionally. So I'm really happy. Yeah, I like that. You um, mentioned that a few of them had helped like with the students, as well as the different environment that you worked with in Bobby Benson. Yeah. What was the challenge for you in having to, I mean, apart from having to switch off the different mindsets and a different environment? I, I think the biggest challenge was um, uh, counter-transference. Uh, when, you, when I saw kids that had almost similar experience to me, it was hard to, it was hard to deal with them in a more trauma-informed way. And, um, and that's some of the things I still struggle with. You know, when you see kids go through the same experience you've experienced, Sometimes it can be a trigger for you and it brings up these emotions that maybe you you haven't resolved. And so um, that was the best thing and best advice that I got when I first started that um, I learned more about myself and what was, was more aware of the things that bother me or the things that I've been holding on to that, you know, 
that initially this it became a barrier at work, but um, now that um, through training, through reading, and trying to become better at, at my craft is is just learning about myself and um, making sure that it doesn't become a barrier for the clients that I serve. So um, I also learned that you know kids kids really need empathy and they need understanding and they need love. And sometimes we don't measure that in social work. You know, love is not a, it's not an intervention that we really talk about. But um, I learned that if I can be uh, an adult that is a positive, a positive support for them, regardless whether they do the treatment or not, then I feel like it's success. But, you know, working with kids from all over the island, all from different islands, I've always had kids that really push you to do better. And um, thank goodness we have a good psychiatrist, uh, Rodney Amaki, who really, you know, you really had to come prepared when you start doing clinical formulations. And so being prepared and, uh, and being more, uh, I think, being ready and being at the level of readiness to, to, to demonstrate that you're competent and that you know what you're talking about was one of the biggest benefits of working at Bobby Benson. Mm-hmm. Every day was challenging. I've worked with different type of diagnosed kids from autism, autism spectrum disorder to, you know, conduct disorder, um, substance abuse disorders like alcohol and stuff. And so I, I, the, the years that I've worked here have really helped me kind of learn more about everything. And uh, it's been a really healthy working place to push me to read. And so a lot of students, if, if there's students listening to this podcast, believe me, reading and writing is something you will continue as long as you are a social worker. So, you know, it's, I hear all the complaints sometimes that, you know, this is too much for the way I, or, you know, I didn't do too good on this quiz. And I, and one thing I need to improve on is reading. You know, I guess I think students just have to do it. You know, I like that. You mentioned that when you got into your master's, genotology was one, the aging group. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, what had influenced you um, to wanting to go into a bachelor's in social work in the first place? So initially, I was supposed to go to the HDM because, you know, it's it was something that I was interested in. I actually got a certificate in hotel tourism management from a program in town. And when I got here to uh, to school, uh, you know, my brother was on his senior year, and uh, he told me that uh, he was going to be graduating, and he said, you know, I think it's time that you consider school, and uh, I had to make a decision. So the program that I was working for was closing, and my my boss at the time, Ryan Yamane, Representative Ryan Yamane, told me the same thing, that, you know, I think you need to go back to school. And so I decided to try the HDM track, but what I realized is, HCM wasn't my passion. And so I had a lot of people who influenced me in my life. Like Simote Loa, who grew up, who, who, was our, who was a real cool guy. And, uh, you know, he always, um, he let me do things that my mom wouldn't let me do. And so what I learned was that I wanted to be like him and my dad, who was a, who was a tour driver. And uh, that just seemed a natural thing for me. And because I had been working with adolescents for eight years, it was just like a natural move. It was like, yeah, I don't think HGM is going to work. But um, uh, all of a sudden, there was a social work track, and I realized that I had been doing most of this stuff already. So what I had to do was 
I had to get into uh, uh, social work and get a degree so that I could be marketable and find a career, really. And so that's what I realized that, you know, working is fun, but, you know, I came here with two kids already. I was a 33-year-old 30, freshman. Then I had two more kids. And uh, that's what really motivated me to get up in the morning. And because I was an older student, you know, I didn't have the advantage of uh, being a younger student, just cruising. I mean, my back was against the wall that I had to do something. And this was something that um, I had been prepared to do. And my brother showed me that. So um, his wife was also uh, uh, instrumental. And they're like, hey, you know, if we can do it, you can do it. And so it was just a natural thing to do. And it was at the right time. I like that. I really like that because I actually had a similar story where I actually came for HTM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I took an intro class for social work. Yeah. And I ended up sticking to it. It was probably Brother Kalfusi's class. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's great. Um, Doug Miller was one of my HTM guys. And he, he's, he was a great guy. But I, I realized this, like, I didn't want to do busy work. I really wanted to, like, debate in class. I really mm -hmm. wanted to share what, was, what I was doing in the field. And, you know, I had great people at that time. We had, um, we had Charlene Furuto, who was, who, who's a neighbor when I was growing up. We had John Reeves. And uh, we had great people there that were really instrumental in helping me. Dr. Ken Naliai was also, um, you know, a great influence for me. Not only, not only because he was someone, but he was somebody that grew up where I grew up. And, you know, he, he, he's from the same community, basically. And uh, now his letter of recommendation got me into into grad school. So that's one thing I'll always be grateful for. You know? mm -hmm. Speaking of Samoan, I know culture, especially specific islands, you know, coming into social work is a whole new field, especially talking about topics that have always been tambu from where we grew up. How has that been for you with not only addressing those social issues, but trying to teach it to Pacific Islanders? Well, one thing I know about someone people, they're very proud about their culture. And <laughs> I married a girl from, I married a girl from Saipipi, Tapuelele. And, uh, you know, one day, one day I was giving her counsel because I, 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 sometimes I have these lapses of judgment where I think, you know, what I'm going to say is really going to affect, is it really going to have a positive impact on my wife? So one day I came home and uh, she was struggling with something. And so, of course, I gave my therapeutic advice. And she reminded me very quickly. She said, you know, when you come home, you know, when therapists, <laughs> you're not a therapist over here. You're just a dad and you're my husband. And so I, you know, that's one thing I always live by. You know, when people ask me, well, how's work? I said, well, after five o'clock, I'm, I'm, I'm not a therapist anymore or a clinician. I'm a father and I'm a husband. And so... Yeah, there's always that there's always that um there's always that that thing that I, I struggle with you know sometimes you want to bring work home but even as social workers and I think you've noticed this VM is that once people know you're a social worker people people seem more open to talk about things that you know you really never thought that they would talk to you about so sometimes you know you become this this <laughs> airdrop box with people who are downloading you know, problems and stuff and try to sit back and talk to them. And one thing I realized is it's it's difficult to do therapy with your family and friends. It's easier to do it with strangers. So for me, it's easy to counsel boys that work at work as trying to give advice to my friends who I hang out around with or 
my wife or my my brother or you know whoever but um i think the social work field is so is so broad that um it's a beautiful thing that we all have our expertise and uh, i'm always reminded that you know a social worker a social worker's career can be from from when a time a kid is born all the way until an older adult dies and wants his uh, wishes respected. So advocacy work or being like how the terms we use, I like always uh, Andre Hippolyte says, we must be agents of change. And I believe that um, that's one thing that gives us strength. And But, you know, being here at this campus, every degree, even though I always shame my brother about this, every degree has value in 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 our life and so um i always try to brag about social work but you know as i get older i realize that there's there's benefit in um social workers learning how to write business plans and becoming successful at um opening practices and going back home and opening things that are of need like a, a shelter a domestic abuse shelter in in the islands or substance abuse programs and I would like to see more social workers, um, you know, uh, joining joining the um, the Great Ideas competition, where they could propose of running programs or and getting funding to the government to to promote social work and justice. You know what I mean? Social justice. So, I love the fact that um, you know we can learn things from psychology, and so by the time a student in the social work program uh, finishes their their education here, they would they would learn how to write. They would learn about psychology. They learn, of course, the things that we learn in social work. But also, I think it just helps them become and all students become more well-rounded students and, and you know better better prepared for future uh, leadership in the church. And uh, I think that's what's helped benefit me and my brother. You know, we always just hold the boys up in the hold the heights, and you know and College wasn't something that we really aspired to. It was just workers. That's what my dad and my mom taught us. You know, you work and you put in your time. And um, it wasn't until Peter Ennis, one of our Peter Ennis and uh, Kaolapa, you know, they were like the first two guys on our block who actually went to college and was like, oh wow, I guess we can do them. You know what I mean? And so having those kind of role models for us, and you know, my uncle Harvey Moyai and my auntie Judy. And there's like six of us social workers, my cousin Mark, his wife Ofa, now me. And um, it's just exciting to see that um, for at least kids in my generation, you know, things have come full circle for us. We've had a lot of people who have really been good examples to us and show us that we are capable of doing the education route. But mm -hmm. uh, I like it because, you know, it makes me feel smart too. <laughs> You um, you touched a lot about the community, and yeah. the last we spoke, you and your brother were able to be featured on an article in the Kalakai. We were, we were, and this was an article that was uh, done by Kylie Dennison, I believe. Mm -hmm. She's in my class this year, and she proposed to to uh, me, hey, I, I want to do an interview for you about the community. We had been in a communities class. I think you were in that class, Vienna, where we were talking about what are the barriers between the school mm -hmm and the community and so we had this big discussion and that's what that's how the article came about that i had this discussion with her and she wanted to do it me but i told her 
I told her I wouldn't do it unless it was with my brother. My brother is like, um, I, I've been chasing my brother my whole career. You know, my brother has just been, he's an older brother, but uh, he's really set the standard for us. And so I wanted to include him because he just got hired at BYU Hawaii as a student leadership guy. And so we both had insights and we have a, had like a two-hour interview with Kylie and what we shared was just more about, you know, about what we see, you know, what we see in the community and um, just some of the challenges we see, you know, and we, I, I think what came out of it was like, you know, me and my brother have been on the, the community boards here, Kolaloa neighborhood boards. We've seen the problems and from a, his Terry likes to use the word about lens using a peace building lens and and how we see problems and even like social work we have our social work lens as well but with our with these issues that happen in the community we wanted to increase dialogue of what is it that is is preventing us from from just really having true engagement and so uh, I talked to my brother and I talked to Kylie and we talked about like you know making what if we had more experiential learning integrated with our curriculum with BYU? You know, in, there's a lot of social workers here in the community. There's a lot of peace builders, there's a lot of doctors here, there's a lot of businessmen here. And you, you can look down every every uh, discipline, even there's a lot of math teachers here, science, and you name it. And like the vision that we had in mind was including the community and if we did include the community and making them viable resources for learning then i think i think the students here at byu hawaii would have a more i mean i think they're getting a good experience here but i think pushing the walls down and and, and allowing these students to learn from people who live here i think we'd have less problems with the conflicts between uh students who are not following the honor code or you know, maybe community members who are overreacting and stuff like that. But, you know, thank goodness that we have this experience because they really provide uh, content for our, especially our community social work class, or even in discussions about the uh, correction of social work or even everything. So uh, that's, I think that's the beauty about this article is that it's really introducing, like, how can we have more dialogue with the community? But it was really special to us because, um, my auntie Faith was here, and uh, she's she's a musician that's playing music for a long time in Santa Rosa, uh, Roner Park. But we, she, when we grew up, we called it Donut Park. But she's been here many times to sing, and they did a featured article on her, and she was included on the last two pages. And so, for our family to have me and my brother on the front cover with our friend Robert Apuk and some of the students, uh, and my aunt on the same magazine, I mean. Uh, the Thompsons have been here for a long time. And uh, my mom is a Thompson. There's 10 boys and five girls. And my auntie Faith is the youngest of 15. And uh, I'm closest to her because she she really helped us grow up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, um, our history here in Laie is, is, has been, has been well-documented. And uh, my great-grandmother had a dream that she we would come here and uh, she hope her hope for us was that we would take this opportunity and so 
You know, some of my cousins work here, Braden Sika, Janae Sika, my cousin T-Man Thompson was close to finishing his um his doctorate degree. My cousin Keisha Moyai who's also um uh gonna uh, she's in the PhD program in UH. So our families have really have really pursued this and we fulfilled um my grandmother's dream. And uh it's it's just nice to see all of us succeeding in our trades and in in the education. Uh, in the education arena. So it's exciting, exciting to be from here and be working and employed here and to see see how things are changing here. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to work here, you know, work with different presidents. And uh, it's an exciting time, very exciting time. I really like that. And as a social worker, especially for those either that take the class, um, mm -hmm. one thing the professors are always emphasizing or encouraging us is self-care yeah. and the importance of self-care especially when you have so much um, yeah. things that people offload so as a practicing clinician mm -hmm. and as a social work teacher how do you find time to do your self-care routines um i love playing music i really do um i really wish i took advantage of it when my uncle was alive but um my uncle harvey but um i love playing music with my friends um, I love having discussions with them. Um, so self-care is, is it's like a weekly routine for me. You have to. The work that we do, um, listening to stories of trauma, um, being exposed to countless stories and, and behaviors, um, I think the world is really realizing that we need to take a break. Uh, my daughter just wrote a paper about including mental health days or self-care days in the school system, and there were pros and cons about it. But... Um, my routine is uh, I love to uh, talk to uh, my friends at work. And so um, sometimes we just do activities like uh, taking them to the beach. I belong to a, a walking group. Uh, shout out to Eli, uh, Don, Sharif, my brother, and uh, all the Troop 69 boys, the Leia boys, and my friends. Um, walking is something that I really do enjoy doing. Um, we have a walking group that support each other and um, we went walking this morning, and the goal is just to have a good conversation, and we talk about everything. And um, and my cousin Chauncey, at times, he'll come with us, too. And um, it's just a fun thing for us to do early in the morning, 5 to 6.45. We usually just, that's our time, our man time, to, to really just talk about life and talk about conference, talk about whatever. And so that's one self-care thing, fun thing I like to do. But playing music is has to be my all-time favorite Um learn ukulele um, i'm trying to learn uh five string bass and uh you know it's just something i love playing music with my cousins and my auntie Faith. the last time she was here uh we just had a jam session just me and her but i usually play with with all my friends and um my my Sika cousins you know and uh, we grew up around hawaiian music and so that's one of my favorite things to play and uh you know, I'm just like every other guy, <laughs> every guy, every other guy at the, at the gatherings, you know, you just pick it up and you learn it. And so that's where I am. So those things really help me. And the biggest, the other big ones, uh, things that's helped me self-care is scouting. You know, I've been in scouting for a long time and uh, I've been around good friends. Uh, the Molales, Jason Fleming, my friend, my good friend, Kevin Kawahara, and all these guys, all these guys that have been uh, helpful in my scouting career. That's one thing that's really 
they help rejuvenate me in my work because I would take work breaks. And so my wife would always complain, how come I always take vacation for like scouting, scouting trips or scouting training? But I told her it's, it's a beautiful thing to be young again and do things that we used to do. And so that's why I always love it. You know, and I love being around my scout friends because we see the potential in young men and young women. And um, so shout outs to Scouts BSA, Aloha Council. I'm really happy for all the things that they've taught me and it's really come full circle. And every time we go back up to Pupukea, it's like, it's like rekindling that fire. <laughs> yeah. I love that because I mean, self-care allows you to be mentally, um, mentally on top of things so that everything else falls into place, right? But our last question for our podcast today yep. is, what advice would you give students out there that are trying to learn or trying to figure out ways and how to better give back to their community? Strive to reach the summit. Yeah, I, do. I think if I would say anything to them is, is that you are good enough and you have to get to a level of readiness where you, you are, you're striving to be perfect are you striving to to be to be ready to get to the next level you know and um i think that um students who come here um we're all here for different reasons if i came to school when i was younger VMO, i wouldn't have got through school i would just play around but because i was older you know um you know anytime i looked at my kids on the bed i realized my purpose so my advice would be Find a person, find a purpose, find a passion that you're really excited about, and get a, get into a major that, or or majors and minors that will really help set you up for your future career. I was lucky; I had to I had to figure out later, but um, you know, um, we all haven't. I didn't come on this journey alone. I came, you know, with my parents. You know, my parents, and so find good support systems. Um, you know, your parents your friends, choose good friends, and do good work. You know, and that's one thing I always preach in class. You know, always do your best. And that's a that's that's a slogan that I grew up learning, and that's something that I really try to refine being a, a instructor or even, even a father is always doing my best because that's the standard that we should live by now. You know, if, you, if you're students, if you're, you're not doing your best, then you need to find ways to do your best. And, um, you know, my wife has been very supportive of my journey and my children, my friends. And uh, it's this community has really built, they have really um, all had a hand in, in me being here today. And so, um, you know, my mom has been great. My dad, my mom, and my great have always been, been good people, you know. And I grew up in a time where, we didn't really understand uh, no, why, the whys, but now I understand that it was for our own benefit. But, um, you know, um, once you finish with your learning, the goal is to give back, you know, in some form or way. And if that, that would be my closing advice that, um, you know, no matter where you go, when you say you're a Brigham Young University Hawaii graduate, it has merit. It has merit because it, it, it reinforces that you have done what was required of you, but you've shown that you completed something that you set your mind to. And I'm looking forward to graduation. Two of my nieces will be graduating 
And it's always fun to see young people succeed. But the goal is to see them go out and spread their wings and, and keep up the good name of the BYU Hawaii campus. Yeah. And maybe you guys might go to a good school like the University of Hawaii, Manoa. Um, it's a great school. And I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to graduate from there. Um, yeah. I love that. Thank you, though. Thank you for letting us um, pick your brain in mm -hmm. today's podcast. Um, and before I let you go, there's a few there's a few fans that um, yeah. commented on today's yeah. podcast. So we're going to pull up the first one. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, my friend Kevin Kawahara. Um, the, one of the themes and one of the trainings that I went to was carry the fire. <laughs> so then I said, oh, he must mean carry the fire. And so, uh, yeah, Kevin's been a good friend, uh, along with Jason Fleming, and one of my two, and Brett, uh, Brett and uh, Brett Molale and his wife uh, have been really, 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 really helpful in my journey. Lokahi, sorry, Lokahi Molale. Yeah. I love that. It's always helpful when you're, all, um, when you're able to have a good support system. But this is another one from Spencer Scanlon. Uh, yeah, Spencer, he's he's in my ward. He's a great guy, you know, and um, I, I think that um, seeing people like Scanlon or, or people people who who have pursued a higher level of education have always have always motivated people like me. And so I'm proud of Dr. Scanlon and, you know, and, and his wife and what they're doing. And um, it's always good to see people striving to uh, to get to the highest level. And uh, once I wrote my last my last paper on my for my master's program, I was like, "There's no more. There's no more writing." <laughs> and I don't know how people can write hundred page dissertations, but uh, we'll see. You know. Yeah. Here's another one from Williams Falavai. Oh, Williams Falavai is uh, my coworker, and he's one of my good friends. Okay. And, uh, he went to UH Manoa as well and uh, BYU. So it was kind of like the trend. And that's what we're telling kids. You know, you can be dual cool like us, go to BYU, <laughs> H. You know, it kind of has that certain ring to it. But, um, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Will. This one's from Oh, my good friend, He Campbell, and her husband. Elden, they've been good friends. He's also a social worker, graduated from U University of Hawaii, Amano. And so, yeah, there's like a little brotherhood and sisterhood <laughs> of people who grow. But, um, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good thing too. I love UH, so I had great experiences there. I love it. Well, I guess we have our last one from Polly Reed. Oh, man. Yeah, Polly Reed is another good friend. She graduated uh, from BYU Hawaii, and uh, her husband, Mike Reed, is one of my good friends, all of my scouting friends. And the cool thing is that we've had a generation of good scout leaders who have really, really helped um, the the young men and young women here in this um, in this uh, the kind in this part of the community. So, I can I just do my little shouts before I get done? Yeah, go right ahead. Right. Right. To uh, Bobby Benson, Fort Nayata. And uh, he's the C. He, he's the guy that runs the place, and uh, he's a good friend. Uh, to all the Hooligans, all my peeps from Hola, the Leia boys, love you guys. Um, Hola, Hola, Leia will be this Saturday, and I am giving back to my community. I love emceeing over there, so we'll be there from ten to three o'clock, April 9th, 10 to three o'clock. It's on the corner of Hanaimo and Hola Homestead Road, so it's the right turn. Uh, it's right by the Hola County Yard, 
uh, you take that right, it's Hola Homestead, and you see it on the corner of uh, Anaimoa. So they don't really know have an address over there. So, but you from Hola, you already know. It's right across um, Anaimoa's house on Anaimoa. So uh, yeah, that's all I got for my shout out. I love my kids. I love my wife, and uh, I'm grateful for my mom and my dad. And I love all my siblings. And um, thank you for making this opportunity. And uh, it's been great today. You're welcome. Um, so just hung, hang on. Just before I end, we're just going to um, have a few more announcements that we have. So just a reminder that this Friday, we have our Aloha Friday podcast with Brett Grow at 3 Hawaiian time. Um, we also have our next Mentoring Monday podcast that's coming up as well. Um, and for those that are interested in reading the article with um, that was done by Kerry Moya'i and his brother Terry on Kalakai. You can find this on the kalakai.byuh.edu page. Um, but apart from that, thank you to all those who commented, um, to those that have been able to stay in tune during our Mentoring Monday and Aloha Friday podcasts. But you guys have a great week and stay safe.